Hey Jordan, how's it going? Rob, what's up? Not much. I just, uh, you know, I'm feeling a little bit of regret when, um, you know, when Elon hired us to, you know, advise him on, you know, how to take over Twitter and how to best optimize things. I thought we were pitching him some really good stuff. I felt really confident about the package we put together. And just in, in retrospect, I'm seeing the way that some of this stuff has been implemented over the last couple of weeks, and I feel, I'm feeling a little bit of regret. I feel like there's a few things we could have done differently here, and uh, kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Look, we wanted him to cut costs, and yeah. I thought, hey, fire 90% of your staff was a good idea. Right. Uh, That's how it's it done usually. Like yeah, I just, I don't know if that was the best advice we could How many people do you need to run a website anyways? I mean, back in the day, I had a, I had a live journal. It was easy, yep. you know? You just need a few people just to keep the, keep the engine running. I don't know. I don't know what you would say. Well, I <laughs> yeah. just thought, look, we said you need a webmaster. Every website yeah. needs a webmaster. You need two to three moderators who can, yep. you know, serve more as an administrative role. Uh, interfacing with the public and can liaise with the webmaster. Uh, and that's really it. Like, what more do you need? I don't know. Maybe we should have, maybe we should have like learned how some of this stuff works before we, we dove into this. But, but I, but I don't I dig, think so. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a shit show. What a shit show. Uh, it's been a mess. Twitter it's been funny been. to watch. Kind of sad. You know, it's like, like, yeah, we talked about with our guest, David Roth. It's, for so many people who use that site, you've met a lot of interesting people on there. That's where you and I met. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely like it's played a role in like shaping my adult life for better oh, for or for worse. For maybe sure. A little I bit think more for worse than better, but yeah, that's, that's know. the kind of thing that it's like, I've talked about in the past how I think I would, there's a part of me that would welcome Twitter going away because it's sir, it's absolutely given me at least mild brain damage. Like, uh, you know, and that's, that's putting it lightly. But at the same time, yes, yeah, I've been, met all kinds of interesting people. It's totally changed the course of my life being on this stupid, stupid website. Um, so I can't help but feel a little bit nostalgic. And who knows? Again, you, you mentioned we got into this with David Roth in a couple of minutes. Who knows if it's really going away permanently? Probably not. But just yeah. the idea that it, it is a possibility, I think, is, is surprising to me because like, that's not something I really expected to even be considering that possibility. But it really seems like at this moment, like it's, a, it's at the very least, it's a, it's a possible outcome from, from what is happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, more on that in our conversation with David Roth. But before we get to that, did want to point out we have upgraded. You're you're looking at a big update. You're listening to a new and improved, a more enhanced insurgents. It's hardcore because, mode. Yeah, we've got on hardcore <laughs> mode here. We told the interns, "Look, you either go hardcore or you're yeah. out." And everyone said yes. 
but we're doing two episodes a week now. Uh, that was one of the, the biggest piece of feedback we got from listeners was you. That's what you wanted uh, to justify a subscription. So we appreciate your support. If you can subscribe, uh, go to theinsurgents.substack.com and you can become a paid subscriber and now get access to two episodes a week. Here are lovely voices two times a week. Yeah, along with all the the previous bonus content, we've had some amazing guests um, appear on the show. Looking forward to uh, Insurgents 2.0. Um, That's what we're calling take, it. Yeah, we didn't we didn't okay. go over that ahead of time, but I thought it was so me, good like that it. it would just just throw it out there, just just manifest. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, to even even more of the content that people have come to to know and love. But if you want to get those those bonus contests, it's going to be one weekly um, bonus episode. Uh, so to get access to that, you should become a subscriber and a paid intern of the Insurgents intern, podcast. Right. Join the paid internship program by paying five dollars uh, or fifty five dollars annually to subscribe to this podcast. We're not gonna. I don't think we're gonna chit chat too long here. I know there's. There, I think there's a sports ball happening. Come if on, I'm not don't mistaken, don't me like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's thursday night football i love I, that is that's just like the most important thing to me in the fall i lo- i love i love thanksgiving because it's a full day of football yeah we tied this exact conversation earlier yeah. this week actually yes we did on our yeah. premium episode which that's you can right. get by going to <laughs> there insurgents.substack.com Very nice. and becoming a subscriber but on that note seriously we do appreciate people who subscribe and support the show because we've been doing this for two years we love to do it uh and this uh, we really appreciate it because it makes doing this way more sustainable uh and you know the more support we get the more we can invest in the show maybe eventually hire a producer or do more immersive uh, episodes or uh, travel for the show and do interviews, that kind of stuff. We could really bring it to the next level. So we're already thinking about doing different things with video. And I just, I really appreciate everyone who listens and has been listening uh, for two years now. Absolutely. And it was, it was really great to reconnect with David Roth. He hasn't been on the show since April, 2020, (laughs) which is something we talked about. A lot has changed since that Mm -hmm. time. And uh, it was really great to to reconnect with him on this one. So I think that's all the all the plugs and all the chit chat we wanted to get out of the way. Please enjoy our conversation with Defectors, David Roth. Uh, he's going to be coming on the program right after this. You see that? Did you see that tweet about Probably. the guy, <laughs> the guy who quit pornography, and he said like his facial structure changed? Yeah, he now has he has a sober Chad uh, physiognomy yeah. now. Right, right. That's but one of those is. things that uh, is probably going to be one of the last phrases to leave my brain when my mind dies. Don't yeah, love that, absolutely. but what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Right? What yeah, about him? I'd, so, I'd, are you guys see the other guest on this episode? Yep. Great. Yeah, um, he should be coming soon. Can't wait to <laughs> chop it up. 
And this is we're gonna do we're gonna do an NFL NFL uh, whip through with him, right? We're just gonna go through this week's mm-hmm. slate of games. Yep. Talk about yep. great, awesome. I'm ready. The over under how watching games on Prime is the the worst viewing experience. It stinks. It's so bad. I it's kind of so love how bad it is. I like when it breaks down and like cause we have not the best reception necessarily in our apartment. So if I'm watching it. About a third of it looks like the way that those like '90s highlight videos that people used to cut together on YouTube look. Where you're just kind of like watching avant-garde shapes move through space, uh-huh. uh, which is a really interesting way to watch like the Texans. Like I don't know that that's actually worse than just watching it up close. For me, it's the sound. I can't. I, it's just like it feels so flat compared to any other network's broadcast. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that they don't pipe in the crowd sound at like a, a high enough level where maybe it's my. I don't. I have a. Well, it just I have feels like, a cheap like surround fake. sound. It, yeah, I it mean, just. It's just the the play callers. You know, it's just the the announcer, the color commentary guy, and maybe some on field sounds. But if you watch on CBS. Or Fox, you're getting, or even you know Monday Night Football and ESPN, you're getting like crowd sounds throughout the entire game. But this is su- such a flat audio experience; it just feels it feels fake. Yeah, I I think that some of that I should watch it more closely because I have noticed that it feels a little bit off. But I'm also like stodgy enough about this shit that part of it is just that like Thursday night football still doesn't feel real to me. Like as a thing that happens <laughs> every week, I'm just kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Like, it's a way, it's in, like, I update my fantasy teams and stuff. Like, I, I live as if it is real, and yet, like, I keep forgetting that it is a normal thing. I remember the when I was younger that it was, too. like, a special treat that would happen at the end of the season, or if there was, like, a <laughs> scheduling blooper. You know, like, the way that, like, yeah. once the college football season ends, that there's, like, NFL games on Saturdays all of a sudden. And that's, like, fun, you know? Uh, but once you're just sort of, like, jamming it in there, and it is, like always always some sort of like texans related experience you're just like (laughs) at some point you start to write it off i just finished reading that business insider story about the um silicon valley pronatalist eugenicist movement did you read that shit uh i did but that sounds awful though cannot recommend it highly enough just some real primo freaks uh and at this point like i'm nauseated by every new like sort of twist of like teal adjacent perversity where all these people are just like making up new ways to define the fact that they just like want to be a duke who lives in a castle and abuses their serfs or whatever but this one was real just prime cuts all the way through people that identified as secular calvinists Like you don't, you can just say whatever you want, I guess, but really uh, some rich concepts. I I recommend that. Anyway, we can talk about the things we're actually going to talk about. In retrospect, I'm not sure it was the best idea to hand over the keys to the global economy to these folks. Right. Like people that somehow like, (laughs) it's not that they can't read. They just don't read. And yet they've got plenty of ideas. I just don't know where you're getting all of this stuff. Like the way that you see some of these like optimization hacker types talking about it like you're like you should be listening to eight hours of podcasts a day and it might be that that's where they're getting all their ideas but like that seems like a a really good way to drive yourself insane especially if those podcasts are like mark andreessen interviewing uh the bronze age pervert or whatever you know (laughs) um Anyway, let's well, we can talk about the normal things you want to talk about. Sorry. 
David Roth, thank you for joining us again. Uh, it's been a while. I just looked back to see when you were on the show last. Oh my it was gosh. April 2020, which feels <laughs> what, what, not what too long ago, then? but also yeah. forever ago. Like I, I was listening to the conversation about a half an hour ago, and we were all very naive about how long COVID would uh, be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was it like a baseball season preview episode? Like we were like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. should we sort it out in a couple couple weeks from now for yeah. sure? Like, yeah. obviously, it's frustrating, but I, I still do think that we're going to get 140, 150 games this year. <laughs> <laughs> Rob was riding high about the still being uh, still the Raptors still being the uh, the world yeah. champs. It was, oh, it was nice. Right. Yeah. April 2020 would have been like we were weeks into this. And so, like, I don't. Yeah, I probably I'm thinking about what my hair and face looked like at that time. Obviously, you can't see it because we're using the technology we're using. The April 2020 version of me was not, I'm going to be honest with you, the best podcast guest that you could have booked (laughs) at that time. We were all going through it. Yeah. I guess that was the thing I was holding on to, though, at the time. The The one positive. And that's, to me, I will go to my grave believing that the Raptors would have repeated as NBA champions had Can the pandemic prove not they wouldn't happened. Have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the true tragedy of, of COVID is really the... The bubble season? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when it comes down to it. Pascal Siakam's regression in the bubble was just yeah. very it's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people, it's one of those costs that uh, I think we're going to spend the rest of our lifetimes yep. trying to figure out how to process. Absolutely. There was. It was also funny to listen to that conversation because apparently that week, multiple reporters uh, on on network broadcasts had said Trump was offering a new tone oh. and a, a new style of leadership. I love on it COVID when they would specifically. Say that. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, now, two years later, looking back on how overall he handled it, and then also what came after he left office. Yeah. <laughs> with January sixth, it's just remarkable to hear those comments His, in retrospect. Well, that was I remember writing about it at the time because that was April twenty twenty two was like basically pre defector i think like we didn't have a website yet so i was just writing blogs for freelance money to keep the lights on until we started our website and so i like had to write about trump every two weeks so that i could pay my half of the rent and utilities and so i was paying closer attention than anybody should have uh, certainly then was good for me and so every time one of those stories would come out i think i did finally write one about like we need to like not we i was like Peter Baker of the New York Times needs to stop remarking on uh, the somber new tone that the president is bringing to this because it was like they have to be there every day writing a new story. And every day he was going on TV and like two thirds of the time was just him being like, I saw Cheryl Teagues, you know, she was very nasty and very rude to me, actually, at Limelight. This was 1986 or 87. She was on the downside. And, you know, and then at the end, he'd be like a thousand people died today, but not really. (laughs) <laughs> and and the idea that like one time out of 10 he would have gotten some bad news right before he went up there and would be like briefly tangentially and like only cosmetically would seem disturbed about all the bad things that would happen and then everybody would like hop to it as like that being the fucking moment that he finally became president uh it wasn't the most maddening thing. Like April 2020 was an extremely fucking dark time uh, for everybody. But like in, you know, in my life as well, like, but the idea of like seeing that at the time, I think was like twice as offensive. In retrospect, it just kind of seems funny because 
well, I mean, in part because he's not president anymore, but there was also that element of, like, I don't think anybody really believed it. I think that everybody was, they just like, the the office of the president was so important to them that they were still trying to fit this, like, just big fucking oaf into the suit that they needed him to wear so that he would make sense as a president. And he just, like, wouldn't do it except for, like, whenever it happened accidentally for a few minutes at a time and they could, like get him to look in the right direction for a photo, they were just, like, absolutely out of their minds with delight. Now he's back. Yeah. He, he's, he's running again. He just announced the other night, so we thought, who better to have on to to break it all down than the Trump whisperer himself? <laughs> uh, David it's Ross. like your so curse. Thank you. Welcome back. So we're not, yeah. we're not doing an MLB offseason, because I had been told <laughs> we were going to do projections for every team. You know, once the Guardians got knocked out, I, I lost interest. I can't yeah. stand that the Astros win. Like, the Astros face basically, like, no punishment for cheating to win the World Series. That's, like, that is just, like, mind-boggling to me. But not only did they face no punishment for it, their fans are mad about the punishment they didn't face. They're still <laughs> kind of being, like, haters tried to take us down. It's, like, yeah. the haters explicitly did not do a fucking thing. <laughs> just people making mean comments yes, is like, frustrating for them. You're mad that I'm a little mad that you cheated in the World <laughs> Series five years ago? Like, I'm sorry. That's the worst thing that's happened to you. You've been back every season since. So, yeah. I, they've actually managed to, like, I'm not even, like, mad at, at them anymore. They've, like, gotten rid of the most annoying guys from that team. At this point, they're just kind of uh, fascinatingly grim to me. There was a story earlier this week about how their owner like really misses Jeff Luno, uh, who is the GM of the, that 2017 team, and like just remembers all the fun times they had when the entire team was run as a McKinsey engagement and is still kind of pining for it. And uh, again, it's one of those things where that's where the Astros are useful now. It's just sort of like as a, a way of taking the temperature of how rich people are at this moment. We can talk about Trump. We don't need to talk about the Astros. Uh, so, so you said he's run. You said he's running There's for president be again. Six years of talking about Trump again. I don't. I don't mind right. taking our time. You know, yeah. Into no, it. no, it's good. Uh, this, uh, you know, I, I love thinking about him. I love looking at him. <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't love that? Uh, so, did you watch? all or most of the announcement i saw little bits of it i saw the clips yeah Yeah. that's about as much as i think i was gonna the bits of it that i enjoyed were uh his security guys not letting people leave when they were bored that like even the little like basically they had the seating set up for what looked like what would qualify as like a medium-sized to large wedding yeah worth of folding chairs <laughs> they had and all even, had a little bit too much of that ham from the the classic yeah. the mar-a-lago buffet the table sleepy. everything is yeah. served at the ideal temperature which is 77 degrees yeah. <laughs> yeah. you want everything to be slightly above uh, room temp yeah th- but even those people and it was like they couldn't get any of the real like actual fucking rainmaker republican types to come down so it was just like congressional candidates that got their asses kicked in districts that had been drawn up for them like the jr majeski guy from ohio was down there and you know carrie lake center regards but it was mostly just like (laughs) the absolute like f tier dudes like the guy that dresses up in the suit with bricks on it because he's like the wall guy (laughs) like all the meme dudes were there yeah yeah and even they like after like 40 minutes of trump just kind of like maundering on we're like sort of trying to make it to the exits and they weren't allowed to leave one it was funny because you could tell that this had been kind of planned under the assumption that there was going to be this big kind of red wave overwhelming red wave that he could then take credit for 
which didn't really materialize. It was actually very funny because he was saying, I was telling you, if you get one or two seats, you buy the winning, you're going to be lucky. It's like a Trump, you famously is urging caution <laughs> right. uh, as usual. <laughs> Just trying um, to keep it realistic. And also, you know, this is exactly. the thing that a lot of people don't, I think, appreciate about Trump. Whether you agree with him or not on the issues, the man is a student of history. Yeah. He knows his stuff. And so he knows that during the midterm of an unpopular president, the out party always loses. Yep. That's just, that's, you know what? It's a, it's All like the gravity. All missed it. Yeah. Yep. They did, but he was on top of it. He was looking, because he has a lot of his own people doing polling. He has um, Kevin Sorbo. Uh, <laughs> And um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, he has uh, former Astros reliever Bud Norris. So he's got some really good guys <laughs> yeah. doing it. But um, yeah, he's that information is proprietary. Yeah. I mean, it just like, whatever. He, at this point, we can talk more, you know, at your leisure about whether he has the juice or does not have the juice. That's the big he, question. I think at this point, think he does. like, the thing that I always sort of struggled with with him is that, like, he can be funny. He can even be funny when he's trying to be funny, but he is much funnier when he is not trying to be funny. At this point, I don't really think that he is even funny anymore. Like, not because of the fact that, like, we know what a fucking bad guy he is and what a bad job he did as president and all that. Like, there's that, too. Like, contextually, it's really harder to laugh at him when you're familiar with how much damage he did to the world. But the stuff that... There was one bit before and he was doing one of those interviews for the like the fake cable news channels the things that like only exist so that like uh media matters for america can pull clips from them and be like look at this like but you like can't get them on any cable package so he's talking with like you know newsmax 2 uh and said it was like i think that if they do very well, I should get all the credit, and if they do poorly, I should not get any blame genius and, yeah. which is admittedly when you read it is like it scans as a joke. Like, it is very obviously a gag. And yet, the video, which, again, you know, this is sort of the part of it that uh, made it... I, so it was a funnier bit because of the fact that he was not joking at all. Like, he was doing the thing where he just, like, is blinking really fast, and he says the same thing in three different ways inconsecutively, you know, which is, like, kind of classic flustered Trump. But I think that the old version of Trump that was, like, riding high would have been able to say that and have it come off as a joke. And in this case, it is like, it's a guy with his back against the wall who's very afraid of being indicted. And also, I think, understands correctly, I think, understands that, like, the second that people see that he's, like, a loser who has no follow-through on stuff, it's kind of over for him. And so he can't make the jokes. He can still say the things that are funny, but they're not jokes anymore, which is kind of, you know, something has been lost there. Yeah, and that was I, that was one big thing that I noticed from the speech that he gave to the, the distinct lack of riffing. There was yeah. no crowd work, very it's little not, crowd work. And those are his people, yeah. you know, like that's the real audience that he wants to speak to. Like, you think he wants to go to fucking like Tulsa and talk to like a bunch of people who if he saw them in real life, he would avoid right. touching? Like, Yeah, these are the boat dealers and the... Yeah, like this is he wants the real like the real deal, like the yeah. fucking the Mar-a-Lago types, like people that like claim to be dukes, but they're not, you know, or just a guy who's sort of like an orthodontist whose like actual job is just repeatedly getting divorced like that. Those yeah. are the people that he really like vibes with. And 
you know, and they obviously like they're all going to suck up to him, too. And even there, like, yeah, he's just not getting the energy back because he's not putting it out there in the first place. Yeah, that was my takeaway. He was he was very low energy. Uh, he seemed very tired. He didn't have he, I don't know. It seems like he's running out of necessity. Like He's not yeah. running because he is excited about it. He even mentioned he's like, I don't have to do this. Like in right. his speech, he, he said something about like, I don't I don't I could just, you know, essentially just be on vacation the rest of my life which is the uh, sort of he used to joke about it. even at the end of the 2020 campaign there was one bit that he did and like it's just in like one of the worst towns in pennsylvania like it wasn't allentown but it was like something like that where he was talking about trucks and then he started again doing like some classic uh free associative amphetamine trump riffing where he's like i could just get in one of those trucks and drive away drive the hell out of here drive the <laughs> fuck away from you all you hogs and like of course the crowd is just like loving it but it's like that is a weird joke to make like i don't even think it qualifies as like a freudian slip he's just sort of like before i go back to the american carnage stuff i'm just gonna think about how nice it would be to go back to my like the bed that i have near the golf course where i'd spend my days like where i would much rather be but it does seem like he's running out of necessity i've read that he's apparently like really worried about actually getting indicted which is funny because i like i don't know anyone that thinks he's ever going to get in any trouble for anything he's done uh but he might be the only one who thinks right which i guess you know if (laughs) if you have to convince one guy like, he's probably the one that would, I mean, I guess in some ways would be the easiest to convince, but also it's important. Like, no one uh, cares what an unpopular sports writer thinks <laughs> about his stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it does have this feeling of, like, I mean, I, I think that he is still the guy for that party because there's no one else they care about that much. Like, I think that it feels very much like the dynamics of 2015, 2016 primary uh you know, season is like beginning to sort of line up in the same ways, right down to the fact that you've got this like, you know, the popular establishment backed sitting governor of Florida as his main foil. Like, I like I remember that. Like, I was alive when that happened the first time around. But he doesn't seem to have the uh, like. I think at this point he's just like he can't be seen as a guy who loses, and he can't go away, and he can't not be in public. And so, like, yeah, I do think you're correctly assessing that this is something he's doing because the alternative for him is, like, just effectively the same thing as dying, which is, you know, having nobody think about you anymore. There's this growing thought that seems to be adopted pretty widely on the Democratic side that DeSantis, like you said, is his foil and ultimately could beat him. And, you know, there's polls that show that DeSantis is much more popular popular than Trump right now. Those could change if they are even reliable. As the, you know, the midterms show we really don't have a reliable polling infrastructure in this country. But on that sentiment, do you think, like you said, you, he's, he's the guy for that party. Do you think that his, you know, star is starting to flicker or, or dim? Is he going to be eclipsed by i don't know why i'm using like space in astronomical terms no, but is like he going it. to be like thank you <laughs> is he going to be surpassed by uh desantis over time i don't think so i mean i think in part because it's it's weird like he may i guess there's a, a world in which desantis wins that nomination i mean he's been successful there he's the type of bully that you know republican voters seem to like and 
you know, whatever. He has the same, like, that he's basically sort of recreated the dynamics of, like, Netanyahu Israel or, or like, Orban Hungary in Florida in the sense that it is, like, a very, very illiberal democracy presided over by uh, a crook who will do anything. And, like, that, again, is, like, that was effectively the appeal that Trump had, too, was that, like, he would do that for America, but he'd cut you in, you know, so that, like, you'd be on the side. Yeah. That was protected, and then you just get to watch him smash all the outgroups that you hate. I don't know if you saw that that piece in the Washington Post the other day as well. That was like, don't look now, but DeSantis could be the person that could just bring the Republicans Party back to normal, you know, and just be. In, and it's like they are you looking at the same guy, him. like this, right. this extreme reactionary, like you said, governing over this very liberal, like non democratic uh, fiefdom down yeah. in Florida. Like I don't know if Which that seems like, yeah. And traditionally, too, Rob has been like it's the outlier outlier state like the idea that just basically like if you told most americans we're going to make the rest of this country like florida like everybody knows what that means and i don't think that most people necessarily want that that's not a winning message no i mean it's like everybody's aware of of florida and you know they got like some nice beaches and stuff and all that but it's like not the sustainable thing it's not like you go to people and we're like what i did for the state of louisiana in terms of good governance, that's what I want to bring to the entire country. Like, people know that that is not, like, a viable sales pitch. I think that the thing with DeSantis that it's bizarre, especially in reading stories like that, to see him getting credit for it, is that what he basically is is, like, a pedigreed Trump who, and again, this is only true if you don't pay a lot of attention to him, seems normal because... He came up through the, you know, the proper channels like it's Harvard and Yale and like he was uh, you know a lawyer and a member of Congress and did all the things that you're sort of like supposed to do to become a politician instead of being like the guy that had a cameo in Home Alone 2 and then talked about it for 20 fucking years, you know, which is like and like it boringly, you know, which is basically where where Trump is. But I think that the the reason that I don't think that DeSantis can surpass Trump is not. Because I think that fundamentally what that base wants is not the effective implementation of Trumpism so much as it is the feeling of Trumpism. It's the, the vibe of being a part of that movement. And I don't think that DeSantis has the charisma, but more importantly, doesn't have the, the fame. He doesn't have the Q rating that Trump has to make people feel like they could be a part of that. That like with Trump at this point, like it's a fandom. It's like, well, he didn't do very much as president. He didn't do a good job. People's lives didn't necessarily get better in any meaningful way. Although if you asked, you'd asked a lot of his friends, his fans, they would be like, of course it did. Yeah. It was, right. Because he made think- them feel <laughs> like they were a part of something, you know? And like they made yeah. up all these fucking kooky stories where he's going undercover to smash the child predator, you know, the child sex sure. predator rings and all that. Like that's a weird thing to do. Um, and it is not obviously a symptom of a politics that is cooking properly, but it is also like that's fan fiction. That is like a fandom doing what it does, making some stuff up to keep themselves entertained while the person that they've organized around kind of just functions as like a place for them to orbit, a place for them to meet, you know? And I think that DeSantis doesn't have that power. Not because of the fact that he's a, a lousy politician who has like 
almost like embarrassingly slavishly modeled himself on Trump to the point where he does the same gestures. He speaks in the same cadence. He's a cover act like in like basically every meaningful sense. He's a cover act. The fact that he puts this stuff into action and actually hurts the people that Trumpism purports to hurt more efficiently than Trump himself did is like that's maybe appealing, but it's not. I don't think that this is a results oriented movement. It's a vibe oriented movement. And so as long as there is the real thing on the menu, like as long as there is even this reduced version of Trump, I think that they're going to choose that instead of choosing the ostensible politics behind it. Because I don't think the politics behind it ever really mattered that much beyond sort of the the tonal element of it and sort of where it's directed. Uh, there was one person you mentioned uh, briefly earlier, and I think we ha- we do have a baseball tie-in here. And Good. I want to, I want to, you know, run this by you because I think I'm sensing the emergence of a new, you know, political block, a voting block. So you mentioned Carrie Lake. She sent her regards. This was, you know, an election denying candidate for uh, governor in Arizona. She ended up losing. I mean, I, she, I don't think she's conceded yet. She she's, lost. I don't to think Katie she's Hobbs. going to concede. She's yeah, doing, she might even just try to show up on day one. Say, yeah, say she's she doing won anyway. One of those uh, like sort of post twenty twenty. Remember like Rudy Giuliani's election fraud hotline where you could like call in and yeah. basically be like, "I saw a guy voting and he definitely wasn't a real guy. Like that was a that was a <laughs> werewolf." Like he could, so he had that. She's doing like a video version of that right now as we speak on Twitter. Not very convincingly, but is doing it. So, you know, we've got Carrie Lake in this world. We've got Bobert, who is in a tough race. It looks like it's going to a recount. Uh, but, you know, these are people who uh, are on the fringe of the Republican Party to be very charitable. These people yeah. are lunatics. But they have a they have a common supporter, both of them. Baseball legend Lenny Dykstra, and I am sensing. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, but Lenny Dykstra is like a reply guy to both of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with Lenny's online presence. So I'm wondering. I I think you know we got the we've got the conspiracy sweeties in the Republican Party that Lenny Dykstra supports. I think we're we're, we're seeing the emergence of Dykstra conservatives, and I wonder if there's any if this 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 move, movement has any legs. Yeah, uh, based and bay pilled. That's the <laughs> so you got to do it. The so Dykstra is an amazing case too because so I'll date myself with this. He was my favorite player when he was a Met when I was a kid. Uh, he was yeah. on the first teams that I remember really watching, like the '86 championship team. At that point, he was just like a scrappy guy who had a reputation for being an idiot, even by ball player standards, but in a way that like was endearing. You know, like called everybody bro and definitely couldn't read. Uh, like just kind of a, a a dummy. Then he went to Philadelphia and started taking steroids and briefly was, you know, much different as a player. And then his body fell apart. So the person that posts from Lenny Dykstra's account is not Lenny Dykstra. It is uh, my friend Louis Keene uh, revealed who the person was in the forward a while back. It's a lawyer, um, an Orthodox Jewish lawyer, um, I believe in like Westchester County or Rockland County, New York who has some relationship with Dykstra. And, you know, it's not like it is um, It is canon that Lenny Dykstra is horny and conservative. Like, this is not, he's not, like, breaking character uh, necessarily. <laughs> but Lenny Dykstra is definitely not in uh, any position to be writing posts at this point. Like, his brain is a mess uh, due to a lot of bad decisions that he's made over the course of his life. So 
I what I'm really curious about now is what the editorial process is for this. Because every now and then, another thing that the Dykstra account has done that is fascinating is um, like call out Jewish politicians as anti-Semites, call out uh, like reformed Jewish congregations in the tri-state area as being um, an issue he cares about. And right. Cared I was going to say something baseball. that Lenny Dykstra has famously been passionate about. <laughs> Shomer Shabbos, Lenny Dykstra. And so there's a lot of those posts like where you see them and like those are the ones where it is most obviously not Lenny. And presumably he doesn't yeah. fucking care. Like I don't like there's no like they were trying for a while to be like, yeah, he like uh, he went to like a Chabad house and, you know, had dinner with the rabbi and like it like no, he did not. Like Lenny Dykstra did not <laughs> go to a, a place of worship and talk to a religious leader like sorry that's never happened in his entire life it would never happen unless like there was some sort of if that person was selling drugs maybe he would do it but it's not something that he would do in this case but in in this instance so those are clearly lenny just letting that guy cook i want to know if this guy is like working like workshopping these with lenny dykstra where he's like are you just so you know for brand fidelity's sake like you definitely want to smash lauren bober right and then, like, Lenny, or it's like, yeah, so do that post. And then he does it, you know, or Carrie, like, it's the same deal. But it is a really weird sort of thing to see. It, it's not quite at the level of, like, I don't know if this is still going on. Maybe you two would know. Where, like, after Herman Cain died of COVID, his account, which was being run by, like, AIDS at that point, was doing a lot of, like, COVID denial stuff. And people would always be replying, like, I think you should be a little bit more respectful of COVID given that it killed you. And they would just sort of like walk that off. In this case, I, I wonder like where the the cutoff is for like seeing a guy that I remember as a real person become a fake online version of a thing. Like how uncanny this could actually become for anyone who remembers Lenny Dykstra as a baseball player and as a person like, cause seeing him become a, like, like a who's Jewish enough cop is not like, that was not on the list of possible outcomes for what his, uh, you know, the back third of his career would be like as a public figure. And yet like, it's really happening. There's something really very uncanny about it. I just, I really want to see a Lenny Dykstra tweet about why Summer Lee is bad for, for Jewish Pittsburgh residents. I yeah. Think that's important. We need that. Yes. I want some, <laughs> he'd be like, this one just goes out to the boobies and the zadies. You know that this person does not represent. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The idea of like Lenny Dykstra having, cause he's already had, you know, like there's, the early career period, there's the steroid period, there's the entrepreneur and stock picking period, there's the getting arrested every six months period. Nobody anticipated a like APAC. APAC <laughs> Lenny Dextra. Yeah, APAC Lenny. <laughs> Saw that shit coming. Uh, I mean, on that front, uh, in sports and anti-Semitism news, Kyrie Irving has, <laughs> has, has been in the news recently. <laughs> what an easy segue. Yeah, uh, I didn't really set that up intentionally, but no, I guess I mean, now, like, what better time than now? Jarringly so, but yeah. So, Kyrie Irving, uh, who I just will only choose to remember him as the guy who helped bring a championship to Cleveland, and nothing else about his career uh, has ever happened, and that's the only thing I'm going to think about. <laughs> uh, it has, <laughs> has uh, you know, plays for the Nets now, and recently shared a 
uh, a link or tweeted out a link about a movie <laughs> that is you know widely been decried as anti-semitic uh, and uh has yeah, i guess i don't know if it's adjacent to or within the same realm of you know the black uh hebrew israelites yeah. and this led to wide denunciations and uh adl criticizing him him offering up a donation which they rejected and some time away from the team and, and sitting out games uh he offered up kind of an apology. He lost his Nike deal also. Um, he offered up kind of an apology, but some people think it's it's insufficient. Uh, what do you what do you make of of, of Kyrie? What's the buzz in Brooklyn uh, about the Nets star? So he's apparently going to be back uh, next week. That the team has determined that he has uh, made enough progress through his program of learning to not be so anti-semitic out loud all the time on social media and so that'll that'll be interesting to see uh like i think you could pick a lot of places that would be better to be uh overtly and repeatedly and uh unapologetically anti-jewish than brooklyn new york but (laughs) this is the one he chose so uh that is (laughs) the situation that he is in I feel so I've enjoyed watching Kyrie as a player. I don't cheer for the Nets. I was a New Jersey Nets fan growing up and they moved. I did not need that anymore. Um, and as great as he is to, to watch and he really is, you know, as a player, he's the sort of guy where like, even if you didn't follow basketball, if you'd never seen it before and you watched a game, you would identify that he is great. Like he's, he's phenomenal. You know, yeah. Yeah. He's terrific to watch. He's also been, a butthead for a long time and this type of butthead too like a guy who sees himself as sort of like a mystic prophet as opposed to just an athlete and that's fine i mean i wouldn't want to see myself as just an athlete either he's not just an athlete you know he's a person i just think he's not a very uh introspective or insightful or um i think in the case of this movie which i am sure and this was Bomani Jones's position. We talked about this on the distraction podcast when he was on with us. He definitely didn't watch that fucking movie. Like Drew McGarry, my coworker who wrote about the movie for SF Gate, did watch it. The movie is three and a half hours long. And it is apparently like absolutely as kooky as can be. Like it is just one guy making a weird thing with a bunch of like fake Hitler and George Washington quotes in it and stuff. Like it is. Even Kyrie Irving did not watch it. It is the sort of thing that he would share. And I think that the black Israelite stuff is like kind of weirdly more mainstream, just in terms of Kyrie. And then I think also got to say that Kendrick Lamar has been showing some strong black Hebrew Israelite tendencies for a while. Uh It's like closer to the mainstream than it has been at any time in my life. But it is not a mainstream philosophy. It is not even as mainstream a version of anti-Semitism as what Kanye West has been doing for the last, you know, month and change or uh, 10 years and change, depending on who you talk to about it. That like Kanye stuff is like, that is eight Chan shit. Like it is like counting the number of Jewish executives at different companies and stuff. Kyrie is just out there on like, he's just fucking scrolling. That is the nature of his engagement with the world. And it is a righteous version of scrolling. Like every now and then he'll like say something about the water defenders or whatever. And you're like, yeah, good. Like, good for you. Like, or say something about Palestinians. And it's again, like, good for you. Like no athlete is like doing that. It's just that 
that's not coming from a place of conviction. It is coming from a place of signaling, I think. And he's never really demonstrated to me any follow through on any of the stuff that he is supposed to care about. I think in this case, the reason that he's been defiant when he's been challenged on it is that he's being asked to apologize in public and go through this kind of shitty PR car wash that exists in professional sports for moments like this. Cause he's not the first player to pop off with anti-Semitic shit like this. And what that usually means is you send Deshaun Jackson to the Holocaust Museum and he talks with somebody for a little while and then he's not anti-Semitic anymore because he didn't fucking know. He's just being stupid. Or he knows enough that he's not going to be anti-Semitic on social media anymore. Yeah. Kyrie had to do all that stuff. And I think there's a part of me that like, you know, especially where like the Anti-Defamation League, which is an organization I think has a lot of problems, is concerned. I get resisting that. No one likes to have to be humiliated in public. But like, again, I don't think that any of this is coming from a deep enough place that you can say that there's an any kind of real underpinning, that it feels like signaling on the part of the league. It feels like signaling on the part of Kyrie. I don't think that there's any sincere understanding anywhere about how dangerous this shit actually is when it's shared recklessly, because I do think it really is dangerous or can be dangerous i think that like downstream this stuff can you know pop up in ways that are not necessarily anticipated but the thing that's so like sort of dispiriting about it to me i guess is like how meaningless and sort of uh theatrical it all feels how trite and underexamined his bigotry is and how insincere and cosmetic and PR managed the response feels on the part of the league and on the part of the team. It's just the sort of thing, you know, I'm Jewish. This isn't going to, I don't let myself go through life thinking about the threats to me for that, but like it's realer to me and my family and people, you know, in my religious tradition than it is to anybody else involved and it's strange to see it kind of soft pedaled in that way by people who can't or don't take it seriously like that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to suggest that the the blowback that he got wasn't justified because obviously someone at the big platform and it was really irresponsible to be kind of mm. doing this kind of stuff and and sharing this uh, sharing these kind of messages. Do you think there's any hypocrisy um, involved in the fact that he was singled out so much? Where, for example, Amazon, who's like hosting this content, didn't seem to have any kind of criticism whatsoever. That that wasn't part of that conversation at all. The fact that this content, which is so apparently, uh, I haven't seen it, but from what you have said and with what others have said, it seems like so uh, out there and hateful and and weird and anti-Semitic that it required this this big you know national conversation, this big blowback. But they're hosting it and ostensibly profiting from it, and they didn't. They weren't part of that push, the blowback whatsoever. You know, so it seems a little weird how he was the focus, while the massive corporations that are hosting this content and profiting from it are just completely ignored in that. I think that's correct. I mean, I think that there's the thing with with black Hebrew Israelite stuff is that as old as it is, it's not something that people necessarily take that seriously. Like, you know, we've had a black Israel, black Hebrew Israelite mass shooting, you know, in Newark, New Jersey. That was like a few years ago. Like it's, it has been stuff that people take that seriously. But the way that I see it in my life 
you know, walking around New York City is like you see those guys around the subway stations at like 125th or 14th Street or wherever, and they're dressed like they're in the fucking Sun Ra Orchestra and they're ranting about the so-called Jews and nobody makes eye contact and you just keep walking, right? If that was the level that he got it at, I'd be like, all right, well, this is like the one guy that ever stopped and listened to this shit. The fact that it was, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know what to believe about his story because his original story was that he entered the Hebrew name of God into the Amazon Prime search engine and that this movie was what came up, (laughs) which, like, I don't know what level of fucking high shit that is where you're just sort of like, well, let's see what they've got for under Yahweh. Uh, on Amazon like maybe there's a streaming series because there's so many programs these days so you never know like maybe maybe Chuck Lorre did a three season sitcom for Amazon Prime about it Uh, in this instance like the Amazon element of it is like perfect but it's like a grace note in a bigger dumber thing because like a lot of the like the stuff that he would find like this was an idea that was always going to get there the fact that he was able to find it on the everything store website that they're just like throwing it up there another reason to believe he probably didn't watch it is that it costs 12 dollars. it's not like free to stream it's not you know you can find it but you still have to like you have to seek it out you have to pay for it whatever but that has again there's something kind of perfect about that the idea of being like any poisonous stupid thing that could make you crazy and toxic at work and in your public life like you can find it out there and you doesn't have to be like on the dark web you don't even have to leave your apartment and walk by the weird guys yelling about the jews outside of the fucking atlantic avenue station like you can just like be more high than any person has ever been type those letters into like your roku remote and just let that thing happen to you like that it sort of lets you know the conditions for it. So, I mean, yeah, like Amazon sucks ass, like obviously, but it all of it feels kind of perfect that like you wouldn't find this in the ways like he wouldn't find this in the ways that normal people would. He would find it in a way that like somebody else who didn't care and didn't know and never stopped to think about it would make it available to him. Uh, So just because we like to do our due diligence here and we like to fact check and validate everything we say i did just go to the amazon prime store and type Mm -hmm. in yahweh and it is the one two three four fifth result nice what are the (laughs) what are the first four uh esoteric agenda i don't vouch for this i don't know what that is sounds good probably everyone should watch that this has got a freemason symbol on the cover that's definitely probably (laughs) the real (laughs) jesus christ which looks more like just hyper christian stuff uncovered the cult of yahweh uh the lost symbol truth or fiction another freemason symbol so probably in the same camp as the first one Mm -hmm. and then this hebrews hebrews to negroes wake up black america great stuff well that's Uh, cool that amazon this is also one of those amazon deals where they have so many different sections for their books so there's always like someone could be like i wrote the number one best-selling book in well this was actually this is a uh, it's the genre of pornography that deals with pelicans. But it was the number one selling pelican porn book. You can look it up on Amazon. It's a whole thing. Like so this is the, you know, the problem with being the everything store is uh you have everything. What's crazy about this and this speaks to the downstream effects of this type of stuff is on so the other ones in this search had single digit reviews. 
This now has 1,871 reviews. So sick. Seventy-seven, 77% are five stars. So it's, and they're all within the past couple days. Yeah. So it's just like people are now flocking to this bullshit because of, because of him. Yeah, I mean, it all feels... I don't imagine that any of those people are watching the movie. Some of them no. might. But I have this... Like, this was, I was joking about this with Drew, that I feel like everybody that actually watched the movie and, like, paid attention to all of it and took notes, like, all of those people wrote a blog about it or talked about it on ESPN. Like, because they're, like, professionals doing their job. There's nobody that has, like, three and a half extra hours to watch some dude's amateur documentary about this. Like, Drew says that there's a moment in the movie where there's just a five-minute break where the, the, there's like a, some words appear on screen, that there's a lot of scrolling text, you will not be surprised to learn on the screen, that's like, now that we've learned the true story of this, like, let's take some time to celebrate. And they just play celebratory music for five minutes while like nothing <laughs> happens on screen. Like, it's not a movie. It is like a, a cry for help, you know, first and foremost. So, yeah, I mean, 77% of the people that... Like, they sat down, they watched that movie, which is, like, longer than... It's, like, basically the same length as, like, the super long version of Apocalypse Now that Coppola put out, like, 10 years ago. So all of them sit there and they watch it and they're convinced by it. 77% of 1,800 people is, like, still more than I would like, but I still... uh, It's not a very appealing set of ideas, (laughs) like, if we're being honest. Like, anti-Semitism as a thing, of course, has a long history. This particular version of it is, like... Uh, very esoteric and not very compelling and the production value is going to be low yeah if Kyrie wanted uh lessons on how to you know truly apologize and uh show sympathy to uh the the jewish community i think he should just reach out to danny green i mean danny green is someone who's yeah, famously exactly. yeah. done that I had to do it to him one time yeah yep <laughs> L- so lol you don't have to do it to him one time lol hashtag holocaust hashtag holocaust Classic. yeah it's one of the greatest posts is that even a, that was an instagram post was that a twitter did he tweet that i think it was like i'm very Facebook familiar with the i think of it as like a really rich text someone told me that apparently if you go on like um tinder in Germany, that there's a lot of people taking selfies at the um, Auschwitz Memorial because it's like visually very striking. But Danny <laughs> Green doing it where he's like got a fanny pack on and he's like cheesing throwing, to beat the band, throwing his hand up. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's like you know we had to do it to him. Like, <laughs> what did you have to do? do? Not do don't do a damn Daniel post at the Holocaust Museum. <laughs> Shows him for a little bit of respect. Well, didn't Pete? Pete and Chaston did it too. They sure like did. Like this, this guy. Uh, His was him, more like, like a brooding, t- like a like a. Yeah, it was yeah. more like a much to think about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other one that I love, <laughs> inter- while we're life. talking about great moments in social media that uh, <laughs> shit on the Holocaust that killed all of my family in Europe, you gotta uh, tip your cap to Representative Clay Higgins of Louisiana, who did a video. He loves to do videos where he like basically <laughs> sounds like the Cajun version of Bane. He does like a weird monologue where he's sort of like, I'll be in here in the gas chamber at Auschwitz. And of course, you know, it makes you think about people trying to take your guns away back in the United oh States. My and God. it is like, and it's really dark. And he wears like, he basically dresses like Christopher Lloyd's character in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So he's got like a scarf and weird glasses and a hat. And he's just sort of like holding forth on some Newsmax shit from inside of, you know, a death chamber. Uh, I guess you can do whatever you want at that museum, but the one thing that you can say that all of these people have done there is that they 
did not think for any even brief period of time about uh, why it was there or why they were there. So yeah, maybe that would be that would be the the move for Kyrie. Just get up with Danny Green, uh, figure out how to frame your apology selfie, and then uh, yeah, get yourself to Eastern Europe. Yeah, the uh, one of the videos I found on Clay Higgins from NOLA.com is like clips of his videos from Auschwitz. And, <laughs> you know, obviously like as you know, we've seen, I don't know, I haven't been there, but I know we've all seen, you know, pictures of uh, how, how it is today. And you have like huge piles of shoes and showing just the scale uh, of how horrific it was. And he's just like filming a selfie video in front of these oh, things. Yeah. And that's one of the things I I do appreciate about the Holocaust Museum in D.C. You can't take pictures or videos like it just that just leads to wildly inappropriate things. I'm not saying Auschwitz is handling how they run uh, the the site. uh, It's definitely easier. If you're a dumbass, it's definitely easier (laughs) to have a classic dumbass's experience there, I think. I've been to Dachau and I just I just can't imagine taking that in with that attitude of like, Hey, this is cool. Like it's, it's yes. really not. It's quite, <laughs> well, just like you're walking disturbing. around. You're like, yes, yes. Very somber. Yeah. What is good for lunch around here? Like yeah. it is definitely just one of those things where you're like, you're using the minimum amount of your brain possible to like move through a space at that point. The Danny green one is great because it is so obvious that he's not thinking about it. The clay Higgins ones were more <laughs> offensive to me because it was sort of like, you know, you see this, place that has all of this history and like all it reminds you of is just like the same cable news bullshit that you're thinking about all the time like it wouldn't have been less offensive if he had done a video there about like the saints quarterbacking situation and how like you you simply have to get Jameis back on the field it's the same thing it's just that like he doesn't care about sports as much as he cares about like thundering about the woke fascists while we still have uh, you, uh, David, I, I, I'm wondering your your where you're at and with the whole Elon Twitter experiment. I love um, it. I love I love what's happening. It's there. been I very entertaining, definitely. But it's like I was I was very skeptical of the whole idea that like Twitter is going away. Um, I, I could think see everyone like, got over that pretty fucking fast. Yeah, right? I mean, I felt like it's it could sort of get worse. Like people could leave, but I feel like it's always going to kind of be there. But now I'm starting to second guess myself. Like I just yeah. saw that that post just from an hour ago where they're saying effective immediately all office buildings are closed and badge access is suspended. So like there's might be a real chance the whole website's just going getting stripped for parts. It's weird. I, so I wrote about it earlier this week and I, I think some of what I was writing, I mean, I'm sad about it to be honest, like to be earnest about it too. It's like, I've had a great time on that website. It's stupid. And like, it hasn't necessarily made me a smarter or happier person, but like, you know, neither has any other bad habit that I've ever picked up. Like I've met a lot of people I like there, a lot of fun times joking around about stuff. Like I will be sad if it goes away because I, I loved it, you know? And I don't think that I, it's what I wrote in the post that I did was basically like, like you, I didn't think that it was going to die. Like, it's not the sort of thing where you, like, pull the plug out of the wall and it goes and you get a black screen, right? Like, that's not how things end. Like, they go through this sort of death spiral and people leave and it becomes unworkable. And, you know, that becomes kind of like a cyclical thing. So I figured that it would go out the way that, like, Friendster went out, you know, where, like, eventually it's, like, mostly bots and no yeah. one's there anymore. It's kind of a graveyard. And, yeah. Right. Or like the thing that I always why I have to like stop myself in writing it because I've done it so many times is it's like like a haunted space station 
You know, like every social media site eventually turns into the event horizon. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you like let it go long enough. But in this case, it's like this not just like the sort of arbitrariness and sadism with which Musk is running it, because like that is how he operates. And I can't tell if it's just like if he's like trying to show off for like Joe Rogan or something like that, or if that's just like the way that he is kind of doesn't matter. I mean, it's like a, a dicky way to be no matter what. At this point, like the choices that they've made are more uh, capricious and more cruel than I think I had expected in terms of just in terms of firing a lot of people at sort of like cutting away at the capacity to just like be a website, you know, to like sort of do because it's a complicated thing to be Twitter. Like it is like obviously it's expensive, which is why it never made very much money, but it's like it's in all these different countries. It's used in all these different ways. And at some point, like, if it doesn't work like that, then no one has any reason to be there, even out of force of habit. So you'd think that the, the one thing that I sort of expected him to do would be to, like, make sure the site, the site stayed up and workable and then change the rules to benefit his friends and flatter himself. And it just seems like he's not aware of how hard it is to keep a site like that upright. And that's the way that I could see it sort of tipping over. Is it like, I mean, I'm already expecting like leaks and, you know, janky load times and all this stuff just because there aren't enough engineers there. I think people were talking about it dying. They had this idea that it would like be overrun by fascists or, you know, like more bots so or whatever. Yeah, right. More so. But, I mean, like, <laughs> or that it would just be like the way it was in like 2014 before I think like a lot of the filters got good. You know, like it's not like people stop saying fucking gross stuff to me or you or anybody else. Just You don't see it as much. Like they hide those replies and it's great. It really did like improve the experience of the site a lot. Uh, and so I figured that they would like unhide those and that would be annoying and maybe that would force people out. It never occurred to me that the like actual technology would stop working. Yeah. But I agree. Like, I mean, does that sound crazy to you that like that kind of feels like yeah. what the next domino is? Well, it's almost like Musk has been bullshitting people for so long about his like genius abilities and yeah. engineering and coding all this stuff, which don't actually exist, um, that he believes it himself now. And he actually believed that he could just waltz, waltz in there and fix all the code and do all that stuff, even though he has no idea how any of that shit works. I love that is the funniest type of posturing that he's done on there where he's like, He'll just like say a bunch of coding <laughs> gibberish and then like and then somebody who is like aware that this is their last official act as an employed person is like, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> it's like I feel like that That's happened great. like a half dozen times already. That like yeah. there was a story that my <laughs> colleagues uh, were telling me about. I did not remember this, but from uh Theranos. That apparently Sonny Balwani, who was Elizabeth Holmes's right hand and, and partner and all that, was a tyrant and was despised by the people that worked there. And the way that they would get over on him, or a way that they would like play pranks on him, is that they would they would make up words that were like medical terms or you know technology terms for what they were trying to do. And they knew he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Like he was just some venture capitalist guy. So like all he knew how to do was profits and losses and stuff. And so they would say them to him over and over again until he would start saying them back to them. So the word that I remember was that they would talk about, they were like, this process, which is called crazing, 
is like something that we need to do in order to get this reading from the blood. And he'd be like, yes, yes, of course, I know that. Like, well, you know, I'm fucking Sonny Balwani. Like, you can't tell me shit. And so, like, eventually it would get to the point where he would just be saying back to them, like, like, well, do we, have you tried uploading, like, upping the crazing speeds? And they'd be like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna try that, actually, <laughs> next. That was the next thing we were going to do. And I feel like that's Elon's got some of that heading his way. I love it. I love it. The uh, the people that I've been curiously following have been the people who bought check marks with the Twitter Blue subscription, yeah. and then have been replying to those staff members who talk about how Elon doesn't know what he's doing, or they're using a completely other, a completely separate approach yeah. for like the Android app, for instance, and then replying IBM to him. Presentation is like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah who are being, you? being like, oh, you're in trouble, like, <laughs> or just shit. like some, just telling them they're fired, <laughs> even though they're just some random person in Topeka, Kansas. Right. It's or like really when Mark great to watch. Is like, you're fired, and they're just like replying being like that's right sir like definitely yeah. like i agree <laughs> mr musk i saw um pat blanchfield called that meta scabbing the other day and like <laughs> really remarkable bit of, but of that like you know obviously like i'm about to sound like hard bitten about this this is an app that we're all on but like we've been on twitter for long enough at this point that like i've seen levels of servility and like bootlicking stuff where like power and money is concerned that like even from having like also you know been somebody with a job for 20 odd years that like i've seen bad stuff there too i never imagined that it could be as gross as it was this is like somehow worse like people like lining up to give money to the guy that they believe is the smartest guy in the world because they because he is the richest guy in the world or was like is like i don't know how you fucking operate like i don't if that is the way that you see your position in the world i don't know how you successfully navigate a trip to the grocery store it's also that like I can kind of understand if, you know, someone at one point believed that Musk was at the very least like a like a capable person or a you know, a powerful industrialist. Right. Or something like that. Because he did make a lot of money. Yeah, and, and there was also a very slick marketing campaign that was employed to convince people of exactly that. But it's like when he's it's clear now, like it should be obvious now, like what the what this guy is about. But the people that still are holding on to this idea that he is still this this brilliant genius, this business business master or whatever, yeah. despite all evidence to the contrary, that I don't know what's going on with someone that would still believe that um, while, with full access to everything that's happened over the last uh, you know couple of weeks. That's really remarkable to me. Yeah, it's really it's honestly, I mean, not to try to put too obvious a bow on the, the episode, but like it does sort of remind me of Trump to a certain extent where. It's like, I'm begging you to look at the thing that's right in front of you. Like, I know that you made up a story where, like, this rich, powerful guy is your cool friend and he's going to, like, like, cut you a deal to, like, help you because he admires uh, how loyal you are to him. But also, like, look at how they act. Like, look at what they do. You know, like, Tesla's as a car, like, it actually exists. There is no way that you can look at Musk's stewardship of Twitter and I think maybe you could think of what he's trying to do long horizon, that he's got some idea to like make this the everything website that he wanted to make in the 90s or whatever. You can't look at what he's doing day to day and say that this is a guy who seems like he's doing a good job or is in command of his shit. Like, I really don't know how you could get there. Yeah, I think he's just going to end up... Maybe maybe if you buy a check, uh, you get some extra insight into his process. (laughs) 
this, those are frozen now. Oh, uh, sad. Thankfully, because of uh, wokeism. That's right. Well, the, also the parody accounts, like they were funny for like a half an hour, and then it was just like everyone had the same formula. It's like company that I don't like. Here's them saying something they would never say. Yeah, and then that was it. There was no like yep. creativity after a little bit. That's the thing with Twitter, man. It's a great place for jokes, and yet a great deal, like a overwhelmingly high proportion of the jokes there are awful. <laughs> and they're all the same, too. It is like, I mean, obviously, like, I'd say that the right has it worse in the sense that they've just been banging away on the phrase attack helicopter for 10 consecutive years now. But uh, in this case, like, yes, most of the, the parody ones were were pretty whack. I, I think ultimately it's going to be fine. There's just so much money, especially outside money involved. I think he's just going to reverse course on a lot of stuff, which it seems like they're already kind kind of trying to do. Yeah, like all the people who didn't sign on to his email, the hardcore email, are not going to be fired now. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what he fucking expected there, too. Because the idea of it's being like, well, you got two choices. Like, it's either three months of severance during the World Cup, by the way. Uh, and and the and and like so that'll basically carry you from now through March Madness. So you get three months of severance starting now, so you can just hang out and enjoy all of those things, or you can come work for an emotionally unbalanced, arbitrary guy who just fired all of your friends and is going to make you work seventy-hour weeks, like during the holidays. During the holidays, so and is through this trial and error process learning about all the fit decisions that had been made and why those things existed in the first place, and like you and know. ignoring you the entire yeah. way in what, public. What, what do you think? Every day he's going to do that <laughs> while you're working. He's going to be on Twitter and saying, "How do you open PDF yeah. in a different way?" <laughs> so that, yeah, like I think <laughs> I would love to know the percentage of people that banged that yes button when they got that email at this point. Maybe it's a level think, of deal craft we can't appreciate, but <laughs> I think I saw it was like a very, very small percentage, like very, like a vast majority of like the remaining three thousand people. A very small percentage actually said yes, and then like everyone else was, you know, in that the premise was they were going to be fired, but now they're Elon's like, uh, actually, no, you still have your jobs because they realized that they wouldn't have anybody <laughs> left. Everybody was just replying, "Sorry, football's on." <laughs> <laughs> We got to watch yeah. that, you know, we uh, our, our Texans related viewing experience tonight. That's more important. Yeah, I was going to say that's see, that's how you do it. If you wanted if Elon really wanted to make it, that was something else that somebody pointed out for the amount of money he paid for Twitter. He could have basically bought uh, every AFC football team, <laughs> like all of them, not like any of them, all of them. Yeah. And yet, uh, well, whatever. Maybe this is a better deal. Well, the commanders are going to need a new owner. So the damn potentially. Yeah, it's apparently like uh like Bezos wants them, which no. oh yeah, no. I mean no one's gonna outbid him. The only other name I'd seen right. attached to it was John Henry, who owns the Red Sox, and also some Premier League side that I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, I feel like well, whatever. I, you don't ever want to hold up Jeff Bezos as the example of anything good, but he does seem like he's getting a little bit more out of life than Elon right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe that's what Elon should do. Maybe he should um by the uh orlando magic <laughs> i love it that's our that's our life advice for him david we don't want to keep you we said 45 we've gone much longer plus the game is about to start soon yeah uh, i got my DraftKings lineup in i want to go f- anxiously refresh uh you know every 30 seconds to see if i'm yeah. winning 20 bucks or nothing a, now that now that you're set uh, can i ask uh who do you who's your who do you choose for your tight end uh well i do the i do the showdown captain mode 
Oh, uh, so I don't always have to pick a tight end, but I did tonight, and I picked Hooper. Nice. I like it. This is uh, so that's good. I'm glad that people um, now they just to get people on the record. Their thoughts about Austin Hooper is important. I think. Oh, uh, I think I, I don't know. I just think that Green Bay's defense is going to have a little bit of an advantage. You know, they're used to the weather more than Tennessee. Uh, Tannehill's not a great quarterback, so I could see him no. frequently, you know, tossing it to Hooper in a bind. So that's yeah, why I went with him. That's classic Ryan Tannehill behavior. Savvy stuff. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. Yep. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban. So please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.